0: What is up, everybody? This is Ryan here with Scale Up Show. have an awesome guest. I have Chris Ronzio on today. This guy is an operational genius. Basically grew his company in four years as a SaaS platform, or should I say SaaS play, to between $10 and $20 million. That's four years, 100% inbound. He's an author. He's got a podcast. And he was the EY Entrepreneur of the Year in 2021. You're not going to want to miss this. Check it out. How do you grow like a VC-backed company without taking on investors? Do you want to create a lifestyle business, a performance business, or an empire? How do you scale to an exit without losing your freedom? Those are the questions, and this show is the answer. Welcome, everybody, to The Scale Up Show. This is your host, Ryan Staley, and I have a very special guest with me today. I have Chris Ranzio. Chris grew up not too far from me, which is really cool, is now an AZ. Uh, created a SaaS platform in 2018. Now is only four years later. I'm not going to spoil where you're at revenue wise. I'm sure you'll hit on that. Um, he was at Ernst & Young Entrepreneur of the Year in 2021. Is in the top 40 under 40. Author of the Business Playbook and host of the Organize Your Chaos podcast. Chris, welcome, man. Happy to have you on, dude. Thanks so much. What's up, Ryan? Yeah, I'm, uh, I am always love having a fellow podcast host on. So. But before we get into your story, why don't we do a real quick revenue rundown just so everybody has some quick context in terms of where you're at in the journey? So, where are you guys at in terms of your ARR? So, ARR this year
1: is in the 10 to 20 million range. Wow, dude, that's amazing. And you started in 18? Yes, January 2018. Okay, that's a hell of a journey, dude. We're gonna have to talk about that. Okay, what's your primary go to market strategy? So we're 100% inbound. We do a lot of digital advertising. We do a lot of organic content. So between my podcast, YouTube channel, social media, uh, the newsletter, publication on our website that publishes five days a week. um, All that just brings people to our website for a free trial. They sign up and uh, about 25% of them talk to our inbound sales reps. Otherwise, they convert on their own. So it's very product-led growth. That's awesome. So you're saying... 25% 25% of them convert without even talking to anybody? Uh, or no, 75%. Talk- What's that? 75% convert without talking to anybody. And then 25%, I'm sorry, I flipped the yeah. numbers. 25% yeah. needs
0: someone to talk to them. Okay. Yeah. Wow, that's fantastic. Um, we're going to have to definitely dig into that. How large is your team? Uh, today, we're just about 198 today. Okay. So good team size. And you know, I know you mentioned... That you're funded earlier. So what's walk us through that exactly and like kind of what what round you're in?
1: Yeah. So Bootstrap the first two years did a six point seven five million series A in end of twenty nineteen, and then did a twenty seven million dollar series B in June of twenty twenty one. That's fantastic. So walk us through your solution then, because I,
0: I looked at it prior to obviously sitting down with you. It looks like it's doing some really cool things. So yeah, I'd just love to hear.
1: Yeah, so we say it's a, a business playbook, but it's really your modern training manual. That's where the name trainual came from, It's just a training manual. So when you think every business kind of has their story, their history, their you know foundational values and mission and vision, all the things you teach someone when you're onboarding them, your orientation, then you've got your people, the who's who of your business, who does what, your teams, your departments. You've got your policies, which is like your handbook. And then you've got your processes or your SOPs. And so those four things combined are kind of like the DNA for your business. And our product helps you document all that, get it written down, videos, slides, interactive media, quizzes, and then make sure that your people get up to speed on your business and stay there.
0: So, I love that, man. And obviously, you're doing something right to have those those kind of growth numbers. So walk us through just kind of your journey, because I I love your journey on the way here and um, would love for people to have some context in terms of how you go from, you know, 2018 to that between 10 to 20 million AR range in four years. (laughs)
1: <laughs> yeah, it's it sounds like a fast story, but the story starts a lot earlier than that. So it was really in my first business, this video production company I started in high school that I started you know, learning about how businesses work. And and so I was running this business in high school. I was employing a lot of my friends. We would show up to youth sporting events, film them and sell copies to parents and coaches and scouts. And so that was the business, pretty simple. When I went to college, I couldn't film the events anymore. And so I started having to hire freelance crews and give them instructions on how to show up and, and set up and where to send the videos when they were done and, you know, how I wanted things to look. And so slowly, little by little, I was I was training people. I was teaching them my way of doing this. And so that business grew. We ended up with three offices across the U.S., over 300 camera operators, and we were doing events in all 50 states, multiple events on the same days. And the whole business became like a logistics company. It was, you know, how do we give instructions to hundreds of people that we've never even met in person and make sure that they show up and perform the work, the services in a way that was predictable for our customers so that if they were buying a video in Orlando or Chicago or Los Angeles or Boston, they would get the same kind of quality. And so that became my focus was like the operations, the systems, the training, the process. And we were developing really a muscle for that. And so when I sold the company, that was my passion was was process and operations. And I started consulting for other small businesses because I realized that even though my background was in video, All small businesses are trying to package together how they do what they do consistently. And so the idea of operations and process and standard operating procedures was really industry agnostic. So I started consulting for entrepreneurs that had retail stores or law firms or a plumbing company, electrician, a doctor's office. And like they all wanted to package together what they did to make their business more turnkey. And so through the consulting, the services, I, I saw I, I, there was this need for a product. I wish there was something that my business didn't have. I was packaging together, you know, Google Docs and YouTube videos. And, and I thought there should be a product for this. And so that's where Trainual came from.
0: Oh, okay. So I guess like when we're looking at it, so it's born out of your frustration, right? For, for your own business, I guess, what's the... The number one biggest problem that businesses have operationally, which require them, I mean, through your consulting that you see with Trainual that requires it, like, because I imagine there's got to be a wide range, but what are the top, you know, one to three
1: problems that you see? Uh, Predictability and consistency. You know, when, (laughs) when you grow the business, uh, you, you have this, this. First, the issue is your bandwidth. You know, if it's just one person trying to do everything, you have a bandwidth problem. Then you have a delegation problem because you're trying to take things off your plate, but maybe you're not giving them good instructions. And then once you have the 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 resources to bring other people in, your problem becomes consistency. How do you develop a process so that your customer gets the same product or service every time and doesn't get a variance in results based on the person that they're working with? You know, it's it's kind of like we we all sort of want to run a business that could be a franchise, the the old e myth thing, like a franchise prototype, and that's the biggest challenge for most business owners is actually getting the way they do what they do written down and codified so that they can share it with other people. And so that's that's what we try to unlock. We try to make that really easy so that you can outline your whole business, the structure of your business, your people, and then the way you do what you do, so that. You can bring more, you know, employees on that do things that way. And that's how you really scale. Hmm. Okay.
0: So bandwidth delegation and then consistency of experience is kind of what I'm hearing you say. Well, predictability and consistency, bandwidth delegation, and then consistency, right? That's the
1: core four. Yeah. It sounds like a lot of buzzwords, but yeah, that's (laughs) what I said.
0: (laughs) Well, you were a consultant, man. What do you expect? You're going to have some kind of buzzwords, right? We're not going to knock you for that. Um, So, uh, (laughs) First of all, like I, I could see that. Right. I mean, I, I focus on helping companies do that specifically with sales and there's a lot of nuances to it. So I can imagine the challenges with that, I guess, across businesses like big and large. So what are some use cases like where I guess let me let me take let me flip this in a different direction. So, you know, for the best the best of the best that, that you see using this really well, whether it be your company. I mean, you were talking through some things that you do for your own company that I think are, are pretty impressive, especially considering the size you're at or other companies that you've worked with, you know, what are the operational kind of strongholds that they have to start this from, I don't know, zero to one. And then as it progresses, that one to 10, 10 to 30, like what's kind of like the the
1: approach to do that. Yeah, so I I think the place you get the most ROI out of in documenting or creating training is the onboarding of new people into your business and what you're all about. So teaching people about your history, about your your target customer, about your pricing and your packaging and your products and your services, about your mission and your vision, like why you're showing up to do what you do about differentiation from your competitors. Like all of those things are things that we teach every single new person that we bring into our companies. And so as a business owner, if you're the one doing that training, it can become monotonous. And you can do that, again, inconsistently based on if you're having a a good day or if you've got a busy schedule or whatever. And so to me, that's the number one thing to start with is to get people onboarded and oriented into your business. And then as a business starts to grow, when it goes from one person to five people to 10 people, you have this kind of, you know, like division of cells with roles and responsibilities where it used to be that a couple people did everything and knew everything. And then you start bringing in more specialists and you've got to take off those hats and pass off some responsibilities. And so customers using our product will spell out all the different responsibilities for a role and create a new role for this new person that they're hiring and then start to download their brain, you know, get the knowledge into the product so that there's a place for their new hire to learn about what's expected of them. And then as a business gets larger, gets more mature, then the system starts to become more bottoms up where every single person in the business is owning something, have some responsibilities, and they can start writing down their own best practices, their own ideas as they innovate and sharing those with their team members. But what you're doing is you're creating this repository where all of that business knowledge lives so that anytime you've got turnover or anytime you have a question or anytime you've got people that are not available when you need them, you've got a place where you can look up those answers.
0: So, Chris, one of the things that that is really interesting to me is like you grew a company, right to that past that ten million in that ten to twenty million range, Series B in four years. And I I know there's work you did on the consulting side prior to to align that. But I guess like like I was saying, you're you're forty under forty. You got the EY Entrepreneur of the Year in twenty one. I guess like besides doing the consulting, what kind of mentors you have, or what prepared
1: you to make those those leaps and bounds so fast. I've always had mentors and coaches and, and hired consultants, Um, you know, going back to when I was in school and, you know, a a teenager with my first business, I would meet up with like professors, business professors after school. And then in college, it was like the entrepreneurship, you know, Dean or something like that at at the school. And, and then I got into business programs and, and started to find, you know, business mentors that were years and years ahead of where I was. And, And so I always had great examples to look up to. That's definitely part of it. But, you know, my my mindset has always been to just make incremental progress. And so year over year, when I was building a business as a teenager, it was like massive to hit, you know, 50K in revenue or 100K in revenue, you know? And then it was massive to like have a full-time employee and then like a few full-time employees. And so I think it's just these incremental Improvements. It took me like 10 years to get to a million dollars in revenue. But, you know, once, once I figured that out, then the next business, it took like two years. And then the next business took like 11 months. And then, you know, and, and I think it gets easier the, the more you do it. Um, so it's, it, it may seem like really fast progress in the newest company, but I think it's because of what I've learned along the way. Yeah. I mean, that's a really solid
0: answer, man. Yeah. Because it takes you 10 years to get to a million. And then it took you basically four years to get to, you know, between 10 and 20 million. That's, that's pretty good progress that you made there. So uh, congrats, man, on, on your success. You got to be proud of, of what you've accomplished already. So congrats, man. Um, so how, how do you create, like, let's talk about, you know, kind of your ninja skill or what you've done to facilitate the growth that you've had. So what would you... What would you say is the number one single biggest reason that you've been able to grow that fast at that level?
1: Hmm, that's an interesting way to phrase it, I guess. The you know, I think my ninja skill is organizing chaos. That was actually the name. Organized chaos was the name of my consulting firm. It's the name of my podcast. And what that means to me is taking a lot of crazy inputs, a lot of stuff that's just flying at you and being able to compartmentalize and prioritize and decide what to focus on to execute. And so that's, I think, been the secret to being able to grow really quickly is a very meticulous process for strategic planning, for understanding what are all the opportunities we have in the business, where are we trying to get to by the end of this year, and what do we have to do this week, this month, this quarter, this year, to be able to march toward that goal, um, that's what I think I, I do really well. So let's walk through like what's your framework then?
0: Because that, like literally, I asked what, what's the, the the most challenging thing to a four time founder that I just had on earlier today, and he said you know the most the most two single most important things are focus and prioritization. So like what's your mental framework for going through that? Because obviously, if it's a ninja skill, you help people with trainee with it. It can be highly highly valuable to anybody listening.
1: Yeah. So when I was consulting, I used this three-step framework. It was context, chaos, clarity. And so context, I literally had this like a three to five day workshop that I would do with customers. Context is the first piece. And that's all about understanding where you're trying to get to. What are your goals? Where are you going with this business? And what is your reality today? And so what I would do in, in walking clients through this is I would ask them to describe their business in 10 years. Or if they didn't think they'd be doing their business in 10 years, then five years. And we would talk through revenue, number of employees, number of customers, number of locations, average sale price, what products and services are they selling? What kind of house do they live in? what are, what are, What is their family situation like? Where geographically do they live? What else has changed in their life? And so that simple exercise of just knowing five or 10 years out, what are you trying to get out of this business? is so helpful for everything that comes after that. And so for businesses that are are doing this more practically in a strategic planning sense, you may have a vision or a mission or some milestone that's 3 or 5 years out. Maybe you're trying to sell the business. Maybe you're trying to achieve a certain valuation. Maybe there's a revenue target that you're trying to get to. Maybe it's a certain amount of profit that your business can spit off that generates the lifestyle that you're looking for. But whatever it is you've got some sort of like north star metric that's out in the distance and that's the first piece that's your context then the next piece is the chaos and this is where we spend the most time because chaos in business i believe is a great thing if your business doesn't have chaos it means that you're probably uh not a, having an abundant kind of opportunity you know like you don't have enough to do if you're not producing chaos and so chaos in a business can be you know the Problems, the like inefficiencies in your business, the issues that your employees have, complaints, bad customer reviews, anything that's negative in the business. It can be the positive things like that you wish you had time to act on, um, ideas, opportunities, partnerships, product extensions, whatever it is. And then it can be the things that just need improvement, like we're really slow at this, or this takes too long. Or, I wish we did this better. And all of that stuff could be hundreds or thousands of things. And so when I worked with clients, I would do confidential interviews with all of their employees. I'd sit down and do these 30-minute interviews. Or if they had more than 50 or so employees, I would do it in a survey kind of format where I would just collect all this data. And I would get inundated again like collecting all of this chaos for everybody. And so again in in the strategic planning sense, when you're doing this, it's collecting these kind of suggestions from your teams, and your leaders, and saying, we can only do so many things this year or this quarter. What are all your best ideas that you want to put on the table for discussion? And so you go through the process of just fielding those ideas from all of your people and, and you know getting everyone involved in that process. And so now you've got a ton of chaos. And then the last piece is clarity. And so clarity is about prioritization and saying no to a bunch of stuff. So you can say yes to a few things. And so, again, when I was doing this with clients and my own company, what we do is start to cluster together the issues and opportunities and inefficiencies and look for themes. And if you can group, you know, five pieces of feedback, 10 pieces of feedback into a theme and say, this is a really recurring thing in the business. Like a lot of people think we should move on this. or there's some big opportunity here. Then you, you kind of circle that thing in your list and you go through a process of, of, you know, pitting things against each other and seeing like, these are the big things that we need to move. And and then you pick a, a top five. And so that's always how we've done it is to pick a top five annually. And then for departments to pick a top three to five quarterly that are moving towards those annual objectives. Love that, man. I'm I'm taking notes. Uh, So I think, yeah,
0: it's a really great framework. And I think to stop and pause and have someone like map out that 10 year structure and to get as granular as you did isn't very common. So I imagine it's been eye opening just the responsiveness. And what percentage of time did you see people that like couldn't answer that? everyone answered
1: it eventually because i helped them but like no no one <laughs> no one had it totally baked when i started working with them you know there there's a i don't know if you've heard of cameron harold he has this book vivid vision that that i like a lot and it's oh, a cool. it's a it's a it's a similar kind of exercise but you go through this process of writing kind of like a narrative about what what your business is like in the future and it's really like visual, and that's why it's called the, the vivid vision. Where you're talking about like the emotional side of you know what do people think of your business, and what how do your employees feel about this, and what kind of impact is it making in different people's lives, and you know if you won awards, have you have have you you know hit hit like big milestones, and so we we went through a process very similar to that where. You know, I, I did it myself when we were a small company. I've done it with the leadership team. I've, I've presented it to the entire company to say, here's where we're going to be in three years. And I think that alignment is so important for you to have as a filter for prioritizing the things you do in the short term.
0: That's great. And I'm going to check that book out. I've heard of Cameron Herald before, but I've never heard, I haven't heard yeah, of that book. It's a good one. So, um, and you're the first guest that's recommended it. So I think there's some, some gold within that. Cool. So, okay. So, here, here's the thing, Chris. So, the other thing that I had a question for with, with your growth, and I, I love that. I mean, what you just walked through was was absolute gold. So, how do you create revenue growth through 100% inbound motion? You know, like walk us through that because that is rare um, and it's creating an explosive growth. So, so, just love to hear how you materialize that.
1: Yeah. So, I like, marketing. I like being a a consumer. I like being a buyer. You know, I like seeing an ad and thinking, oh, that's, that's really cool. Let me go look into that thing. And then let me like tinker with it in the store, in the Apple store. And then let me, I actually, now I want to buy it, you know, like I've always been like that. And so I always thought, you know, it'd be easier to make our product so good and so compelling that people just want it. And they're leaning in rather than us have to reach out and sell them on it. You know, I there there is there is a a lot of right ways to do sales and I'm sure you have incredible experience on on this more so than me. But then there's a lot of wrong ways to do sales. You know, you think about, you know, walking walking out on the street and and people like kind of yelling at you trying to bring you into the store and it's it's disruptive, right? Like you weren't you weren't there. But now think of like walking down the street and seeing this Beautiful, shining building with like lights coming off the ceiling, and and like everybody's lining up at the door, and you're like, what is that place? I wanna, I wanna check that out. You know that that it's a lot different experience. And so when we were building Trainual, we sought out to we we knew this was gonna be like a mass market, you know, a, a very horizontal play. So we wanted to make it something that was just attractive to a lot of people that they would lean in and be like, what is this? I'm interested. I want to learn more. And so, you know, it starts with uh, with creative marketing kind of content and it, and a lot of educational content. And so on the creative side, we have done a lot of like celebrity partnerships. We've, you know, brought in people from Shark Tank and from the, the TV show, The Office. And we kind of play on, on business situations and office situations to, to, to make people feel like, oh, yeah, that's happened in my business. I get it. And, and then there's a little bit of, you know, a authority building or social proof by saying, you know, we have thousands of companies around the world that are are doing this thing and they've found a better way to do this. So you should, you should too. You, you should be interested too. And all of that creative advertising is to get people to our website, just to get them to know we exist. And then once they're on our website, it shifts to being entirely about being helpful how do we be the most helpful resource for small businesses, growing businesses that are trying to systematize what they do as they scale? And so we have a uh, you know a publication called the Manual that we publish uh, five days a week and have almost a hundred thousand readers on that. Um, we have uh, my my podcast that publishes five days a week and is helpful content. We have. Uh, you know, webinars that, that our team does on, on all different topics of how we're running our business. So not, not just selling to customers, but you know, like this is a problem we figured out last week, or we're going through our health insurance renewals and wanted to just share like the internal conversations we're having and how we're thinking about it in case you're going through that too. And so all of that educational content about like how to operate a business starts to build trust with the consumer. And so the creativity pulls them in the education builds trust. And then when they get to a point where they're like, you know, I have a training problem or I, I actually need to, to document how, how we do things. We're the one that's top of mind that they pick. Yeah. That's like brilliant strategy. Um, Yeah. And I saw
0: that on your website, Yeah, the the little Gary V or maybe it was one of your websites, but Gary V was on there and you know, you had that. And um, yeah, I mean, did, did you ever have Dwight Schrute on for the office? Did you ever leverage <laughs> him We've, we've at not off? had
1: Dwight. We've got, uh, we've had uh, Stanley and uh, Meredith and uh, Kevin and, well, it's, I think we, Oscar. You're not quite
0: at the Dwight Schrute money. No, no. I get it. You gotta, you gotta be like, you know, nine figures yeah, yeah. to afford we, Dwight we, Schrute, I imagine.
1: We were trying to do something with Steve Carell for a while. It was, but it was like right during COVID and then it fell through because no one was traveling. That's cool though that's that just makes it fun, you know yeah and I totally.
0: I love the value mechanism that you're doing like with the podcasts, the newsletter five days a week, like what kind of staff though do you have dedicated to each one of those areas to support that because that's that's that can be a lot um if it's not structured the right way,
1: yeah, we have a big team we have like a whole internal agency that we've built for our own marketing um so you know, but, but it's, it's not just post funding. This is something we invested on early, early on, like as a a SaaS company in our first year, we, we had more people working on marketing than on product and engineering and design. And I don't know, I don't know if that's the right way to do it, but it was definitely, uh, definitely how we did it. You know, full-time videographer, which probably comes from, uh, my, my video background, we had a, a full-time like partnerships person, a full-time, um, just marketing product manager and a full-time person doing like our, our digital ads. And then that, that has expanded now a lot as we're much bigger. So now we have a, uh, we have two full-time writers. We have a content manager. We have a social media, like growth hacker person. We have a paid acquisition. We have, um, two in product marketing that are all talking about, uh, features, and then uh, video production full-time and the podcast producer full-time. I'm probably leaving some out, but all all these different areas have full-time people associated with them. Oh, events, full-time partnerships, full-time. Because the idea was if we don't have one person working on something hundred percent of the time, then it's going to get neglected. And so all these different areas of the business that we wanted to be serious about, we had to at least put someone full-time on it.
0: Yeah, it's obviously your efforts are paying off. So it's a really, really great strategy. So what's your? Let me ask you this, because you're growing really fast, and and you know, just like there's two sides of paper, two sides of a coin. There's a positive and a negative with everything, right? So what would you say is your single biggest challenge that you're running into with all this rapid growth right now?
1: You know, the the biggest challenge with rapid growth is that as our customer base has gotten much bigger, again, the chaos, the inputs grow exponentially and our biggest challenge is when you have a bigger infrastructure a bigger product and customers around the world there's a lot that you have to do to support the base and it slows down the the nimble ability to create the new features and so it's always a uh it it feels like a a a push and pull between do we want to invest in infrastructure or incremental improvements to existing functionality and customer feedback, or do we want to invest in, um, you know, like pushing the envelope and new tech and stuff that doesn't even exist yet. And so I would say that the, the challenge there is, is that it's, it's a big decision how we're going to spend resources and you can't please everyone. You know, if you put a hundred percent of resources on the new stuff, it might be really great for new customers, but then your existing ones are complaining about things that don't get fixed. And if you put all your resources on existing customers, your customer success satisfaction is off the charts, but your salespeople are not closing deals because there's market competition or something, you know. And so, so you can't please everyone, but finding that balance is is probably the biggest challenge, I would say.
0: Yeah, I could see. It. And speaking of balance, like you're a pretty firm believer on, on work-life balance. So can you walk us through that a little bit?
1: Yeah. So my wife, who I've been with for uh 17, 18 years now, um, she was with me when I was running my first company. And when I, I I didn't know anything about work-life balance at that time. And so I remember we had this moment where she was over. I was working until you know, way after midnight, answering emails, editing videos, doing what I was doing. And she came into my home office and she said, uh, "I, I'm sick of this." And I was like, "You're sick of what? Like, you just go go put on a movie or something." <laughs> and she and she was like, "No, I'm not going to be your second priority. And I'm I'm out of here. If you if if you can't if you can't like make time for me when I'm here, I'm out of here." And so it was it was a real like rude awakening for me that I was all in on the business. I was working crazy hours, I had no boundaries. And the people around me were relationships were suffering as a result. And so after that I made a really conscious effort to just set working hours and you know when we when we moved in together, eventually got married, uh she just made it so that like when she got home from work I I was working at home at the time. I had to close the bedroom door, turn off the computer, leave my phone in the room. And, you know, that was the end of that. And so it was really fortunate that I developed that behavior and that she helped me see that. Because now with kids, it's so helpful to have a really firm schedule, you know, to be able to like spend time with the kids in the morning, have breakfast, take them to school, play with them, whatever, Um, have vacations, not worry about, you know, checking in on, on Slack or email, That's that's now become ingrained in the culture of Trainual. But I I know it's really hard for a lot of entrepreneurs. I think the soonest you can set those boundaries, the easier it gets. So like how many hours a week do you work? How much vacation do you take a year? Uh, Hours a week is like 42 to 44. Um, I won't say it's exactly 40, (laughs) but it's pretty close. We use this system called Time Tackle. I'm giving just a random shout out to them. Uh, my assistant tags everything on my calendar to see where I'm spending my time, and we look at that on a monthly and a and a quarterly basis to know exactly where my time is going. So that's been really helpful. Uh, in vacations, um, you know, Trainual has <coughs> excuse me, Trainual has a, a four week PTO thing, and so I definitely max max that out. I'm uh, going away for the last two weeks of this month. Uh, Again, no phones, no emails, no Zooms, no Slack, total disconnect. And then I just take a lot of long weekends. Good for you, man.
0: Yeah, that was um, one of the moments. The same thing happened in my life. It wasn't, it it was just uh, my relationships were starting to suffer because I was working so much and I was traveling so much. And I had to stop and reset everything and did the, you know, leave the cell phone upstairs. When you go down for dinner, don't bring the computer down, you know, and uh, it's a good reminder because it's something I got away with, you know, once I started my company, especially during COVID, because it's, it's all blurred together and there's no separate workspace. Uh So I think it's,
1: uh, it's really awesome that you created those like bright lines that you can't pass. um, And one, one thing that's been like a really cool hack. So I realized when I would leave my phone, uh, I would be out with my kids and want to like order food. And then I, I can't look up the restaurant or find the menu or something. And so I actually bought a, a second phone. It's it's still like a, an iPhone, but it's like the cheapest one you can get. And, and I don't have any of the work apps on there. And it's a different phone number. And it like doesn't have any of my contacts other than like my wife and my chief of staff have the phone number. But now I can at least have the internet. So if I need to look stuff up, I've got maps for directions um, but no one can get a hold of me. That's awesome. Love it, man. Well, it was a, it was a pleasure having you
0: on the episode. I really enjoyed it. It was great hearing your story. You dropped some great great information too. I love how operationally minded you are. Um, very unique. You're one of the, I guess, most interesting guests from that perspective. Just I haven't had a lot of folks that have that ops mind that you do. So. Thanks for being on the show, man. And can you let, before we jump, can you let people know where they could find out more about you, where they could find out more about TrainUal if they want to check into it and, and check it out?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So, TrainUal, like a training manual, T R A I N U A L dot com. And you can find me, Chris Ronzio, on Instagram and LinkedIn, is where I hang out most, or you can check out all of our videos on YouTube and my podcast, Organized Chaos. Awesome.
0: All right. Thanks, Chris. We'll see you all on the next episode. Thanks, Ryan. Thank you for checking out the scale up show. My mission in life is to help founders and revenue leaders avoid all the pain and suffering